is the one that I imagine is why most of the public is online here. Um, and it's, it's related to the petition for rulemaking. And before we actually address all the items there, what I'm going to do is ask Mr. Barkley um, from the Attorney General's office to give us uh, a background so we all understand what the rules are that we're obligated to follow. Um, also, I want to remind the public that they do have a right to make comments, and if they'd like to make comments, to use the Q&A box that's on this site to do that. And uh, the Commission will have an opportunity to review those a little later on before um, any other action is considered. Thank you. Mr. Barkley. Thank you, Dr. May. Uh, yes, I'm John Barkley, Assistant Attorney General, and I'm the counsel for the Commission. And uh, just wanted to explain a little bit about the petition for rulemaking process, since it's not something the Commission deals with every day, and we have some new members on board, too. Uh, what you normally do uh, in your meetings, and in, in the majority of your meetings, not all of them anymore, but the majority of your meetings, you're doing some type of rulemaking, and you're doing that through the normal structure for rulemaking under what we call the Administrative Procedure Act. Those are the statutes in Chapter 150B of the North Carolina General Statutes that spell out the process for rulemaking. Uh, that process normally for you is a matter of the Department of DHHS and the Division of Public Health bringing forth proposed rules for you to adopt that then go through this uh, procedure of public notice and public comment uh, before coming back to you for action. Uh, so that is uh, that is the majority of uh, the rulemaking process uh, under the ATA, the Administrative Procedure Act, and the majority of what you do. Uh, the petition for rulemaking is a different method of uh, going through the rulemaking process under uh, Chapter 150B and specifically 150B-20 that allows uh, a person or a group to petition you as the rulemaking body for public health uh, to uh, adopt a rule or amend a rule. Uh, and that's what's happening today. You're being asked uh, by the petitioners here to uh, amend your immunization rules to include a provision uh, and they're added new provision number 11 that would require individuals who are 17 years of age or uh, who are entering uh, the 12th grade, whichever comes first, uh, to be uh, to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, uh, and that rule would become effective uh, under the petition July 1st of 2022. So that's what's being proposed. So what do you, what, what's your role in looking at this and, and what are your options in considering this? So there, there are a couple of different things. So the, what's, what's happening is you're going to consider uh, whether it is in the best interest of public health to move this proposal forward through the rulemaking process. So it's, it's kind of like instead, it's, it's similar to what happens when the department comes to you to adopt a rule and says, we want to take this through the rulemaking process. It's just uh, this group uh, that is asking you to do the same thing. Uh, I want to make clear, you know, what your options are in doing that and, and, and what you ultimately do is 
decide uh, one of several things. Uh, the first option is that you could approve the petition. Uh, if you approve the petition, though, I want to be clear about what you're doing. In approving the petition, you're only approving it to go out through the normal rulemaking process. It would have to go out for notice in the state register of the uh, of a public hearing to be held and a public comment period to be held. And there would be text of the proposed rule that would go out in that notice in the state register. You then would have the department would hold a, a, a public hearing uh, on that rule and there would uh, comments would be received for a certain period of time. And then you would meet again at another commission meeting to take final action on that uh, proposed amendment to the rule. What you are not doing today, if you approve the amendment, is you are not approving the proposed amendment to the rule. You're taking no action. You would not be putting a requirement in place today, no matter what action you do today, would not put a vaccine requirement as requested into, uh, into law today and it would not put that into the rules. It's just approving it to go through the rulemaking process and to come back to you for consideration at a later meeting. Uh, but, but you can approve it to go through that process, consider it, then look at all the comments, look at the public hearing uh, comments and the, and the other public comments, uh, take any recommendations that the department might have, uh, and uh, look at what you would finally do next. Now, that's if you prove the rulemaking petition um, uh, as it exists. The other option you have is to deny the rulemaking petition. So what happens if you deny the rulemaking petition is simply it doesn't go through the rulemaking process. It would not be considered uh, for amendment uh, at this time. It would not be something that uh, that would be uh, part of, uh, would make the the proposed amendment part of your rules. It just would have to, it has to go through the rulemaking process to be part of your rules. And if that does not occur, if you deny it, then it simply doesn't go through the process. And that would be uh, uh, potentially the end of that proposal. Uh, now, if you deny, there are a couple things that have to be done. If you deny the rulemaking petition, uh, then you have to provide written comments on the reasons for the denial to the petitioners. Uh, and uh, so that would be something that we'd have to do. I would suggest if you reach that point, we don't know, you know whether you're going to approve or deny, but uh, if you deny, uh, then I would suggest that you uh, request that counsel uh, for the commission and the staff to the commission uh, draft that response for you and uh, and uh, uh, turn it over to Dr. May to have you designate Dr. May to uh, review the letter and then sign the letter uh, if he deems it appropriate uh, on behalf of the commission. Otherwise, you're going to have to come back at another meeting uh, and and try to try to write the reasoning or try to try to write something today, which past experience says is very difficult to do. So we can take the discussion that you have, your discussion should include the reasons you're denying it, but we can take the discussion that you have and come back if that's the approach that you take. So denial is another possibility. Uh, so those are the main possibilities of what to do. 
there's always a possibility you would decide to take no action one way or the other. I'd say the statute talks about that the, uh, the, the commission would either uh, uh, approve or deny the petition. So I would say that's that, that ultimately you should take an action to, to grant or to deny. Uh, otherwise, it, it causes some problems and how this would be handled down the line. Now, the denial letter you send, once you send that denial letter, if you deny, the petitioners would have the opportunity to appeal that uh through a process called judicial review which is the process that happens with contested case hearings uh under the apa uh, but it's also applied to rulemaking petitions and uh and and a few other things like declaratory rulings uh but so it is a, a mechanism for the petitioners to appeal uh, it goes to superior court. It's a superior court judge. There's not a jury. There's not testimony. Everything's on the record from what happens, uh, you know, today in consideration of the petition, and uh, and 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 then there would be a decision made on that uh, according to the standards that are contained in the provisions for judicial review and the APA. It's basically, did you procedurally handle things right and you know, did you properly consider everything? And and uh, and I think those are the those are the main grounds that would come out of that. Um, uh, so that's that's the basic process uh, that we're that we're dealing with. Um, I think that uh, it's it's fairly fairly simple in terms of process. I don't know that it's very simple in terms of your consideration and what decisions you make, but. Uh, it, it comes down to you're doing what you do every time you you look at a rule uh, and uh, in you, your normal procedures for the commission, you try to decide, is this something that's in the best interest of public health uh, in the state of North Carolina? And uh, if you decide it is, you approve the uh, petition. If you decide it's not, you deny the petition. And those are the basic uh, the basic procedures you can follow today. I'd be glad to answer any questions, Dr. May. Thank you, Mr. Barclay. Uh, are there any questions for Mr. Barclay? Yeah, I had one question. Uh, a memorandum. Be speaking. Uh, hey, it's Wayne Grins. Thank uh, you. Yeah, sure. The uh, a memorandum came um, from Assistant Secretary asking, uh, recommending that we not consider codifying but according to what council said it sounds like any action we take today wouldn't be for codification of anything anyway so i'm confused about that letter i i, I believe i you know i i, I think that the uh the letter but I, i'll let the department speak on that i think that Dr. Temple is going to speak on that. Yeah, uh, shortly. Yeah, so it's. I mean, I, 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 I think the intent was uh, not to adopt the uh, rulemaking petition, but I'll let her speak to that. Thank you, and and I think it's important for for everybody on the commission to know this, and also all the public folks who are are listening, that this is driven by statute. This is not something the commission has an option to not review we have to review it we have to make a decision the, the decision is ours but the statute requires that we review these petitions when they're done properly so 
Uh, are there any other questions for Mr. Barkley? Thank you. Um, Thank you. I'm going to ask Dr. Uh, excuse me, Professor uh, Stella Anderson from Appalachian State University, who was one of the petitioners, to um, present information that she feels would be appropriate for us. Professor Anderson. Thank you, Dr. May. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay, okay. Stella Anderson speaking on behalf of the petitioners. Um, so thank you for providing me the opportunity to speak briefly in support of our petition. Uh, I want to make clear our concern in submitting the petition is North Carolina's four-year college and university students. We submitted the petition following the determination by UNC System President Hans that the system must defer to the commission, that the system lacked legal authority on its own to initiate a vaccine requirement. That determination may well be incorrect. We recognize that the commission's primary authority is in establishing vaccine requirements for students pre-K through high school, and that those requirements typically then are applied subsequently to four-year college and university students. We question whether the commission can adopt a rule requiring a vaccine beyond high school for admission to the state's four-year colleges and universities. If you have that authority, in essence, we're asking you to exercise it. If you do not have that legal authority, we are asking you to um, at least make clear, make that clear so that these institutions, including the UNC system, know that they must proceed on their own in this, in regard to this question. Requiring the COVID vaccine for high school students, as we proposed, may well be premature. We do not believe that the requirement for the state's four-year college and university students is premature. We think it's not premature. Several private universities and colleges in North Carolina have already implemented the requirement starting in the fall of 2021. And there are ample examples in other states where even state institutions now require the vaccine. From our perspective, the vaccine requirement for North Carolina's four-year college and university students is actually overdue. And I want to make clear that our perspective is shaped by our firsthand experience with voluntary vaccine uptake. While some universities and colleges, for example, in the Triangle area in particular, have seen a high percent voluntarily um, take the vaccine, we can speak to the issue in other areas of the state where that is not the case. Our campus started the past academic year, August 2021, with 52% of our students fully vaccinated, being able to attest to being fully vaccinated. It took us five months for us to get to 70%. And we have only recently 
as of the end of January, gotten to 80% fully vaccinated. So we speak from personal experience as educators that the vaccine is needed for general safety and because in its absence, it's extraordinarily disruptive to all campus operations. It's crucial to our ability to remain on campus with students residing in dorms and in face-to-face -face classes. We note as well that our university, the makeup of the university relative to our county, um, has a significant impact on the larger community and then our, our local hospital system. Each year, colleges and universities have significant numbers of incoming new freshmen students. Without a vaccine requirement, enormous effort and resources have to be devoted to encouraging voluntary um, vaccine uptake. And as is on our campus in the UNC system to enforce weekly testing requirements for students choosing not to get vaccinated. We do not have dorm space that can be devoted to students requiring isolation. Everyone expects us to keep campuses open, keep students residing on campus, and keep face-to-face -face classes going. In order for us to do this effectively, without disruption, we depend on students being vaccinated. We are struck by the low overall vaccination rate of the uh, 18 to 24 year age group across the state. And those numbers were given um, by Kelly Kimple as well. So currently that's at 54% with at least one dose. And we note that that hasn't risen a great deal and speaking specifically for the 18 to 24 year old group. That hasn't risen a great deal um, since the vaccine became widely available in approximately May of 2021. This age group in particular substantially lags behind other adults. From becoming widely available last year and initially seeing an approximately an approximate 35% uptake then 45% uptake by August of last year, that percent has largely stalled since. So to conclude, if the commission chooses not to implement the requirement for high school students, seniors at this time, we ask that you require it for admission to the state's four-year colleges and universities. And if not that, at a minimum, we ask that you make clear that these institutions, including the UNC system, must make that determination on their own. We fashioned our specific proposed rule change with the understanding that it seems that the commission first decides vaccine requirements for K-12, and then those get applied to the, to the state's four-year colleges and universities. If you, in your judgment, believe that you can go forward with a rulemaking change modified as you see fit, that could be applied to the state's four-year colleges and universities. 
that would be great. And that's what we would ask you to do. Thank you. Thank you, Professor Anderson. Does anyone have any questions? Mr. May? Yes, sir. This, this is Joe Gordon. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, so the, the speaker just raised the question about the legality of foregoing the requirement for K through 12 and only having it applied to the college university system. What does our legal counsel say about that? Mr. Barkley. Mr. Barkley, did you hear the question? Sorry, it was muted. Uh, I'll let Virginia respond first, if she will, and then I'll jump in. Thank you. Virginia, Ms. Niehaus. Uh, Dr. May, thank you. Um, I would say that um, there is some authority in statute for the commission to um, adopt rules in the interest of public health for child immunization requirements. Um, but would want Mr. Barkley to, to confirm that and, and weigh in from his perspective. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. There is some, you know, although the, the statute, the statute as it's written on um, uh, college uh, requirements, uh, you know, refers to having had those immunizations, just as the speaker said, uh, through the K through 12 requirements. So I think that's, that's the way we've, We've looked at it. Virginia, is that not true? So this is Ron May again. Let, let me summarize what I think I'm hearing. And, and I've reviewed those statutes as well. Certainly not with the expertise that either of you would have. But my perception and what I believe I'm hearing is that the commission cannot require vaccination for college students. It can, if it chooses to require certain vaccines for K through 12 students, there's another statute that applies then to the universities or the colleges that said if K through 12 students are required to have certain vaccines, then college students are as well. So the way I read that, and I believe what I'm hearing is the commission does not have the authority or the legal ability to require vaccines for college students alone. I think that's the safest interpretation of that. Yes, I'm sure everything's open to interpretation, but correct. But, but yeah, I, I, that that that's certainly I think the way that we that we looked at it, and I think correct, and uh, that I I think you would be um, risking a, a challenge to that if you if you went forward with a straight college requirement. Right. And. Um, as to whether the universities or the colleges, you know, the state universities can require that of themselves, that's a legal question that I, I certainly couldn't answer. And I, I don't know what that, what authority they have or what their uh, council has asked them or told them. I'm not sure what we can say about that. Well, Mr. Chairman, can I have a word, please? Sure. Uh, it seems to me that we're called upon today to respond to the petition that's been delivered to us. Now that you can send that to us and then we're getting off into something that we're not prepared to, to move into is what I would, would say. Mr. Mitten, I agree with you. 
And I think that that's what we're trying to clarify, that we don't really think that we have an authority to do that. But nevertheless, um, Professor Anderson asked us to you know, see if we could address that. And, and I think that's a fair request. And I think what we're all saying is we don't think we can do that. Whether the universities themselves have that authority, we, we can't answer. We can't answer that. Um, but what I would like to do now is um, ask Dr. Kimple to come back on and tell us the feelings of the, um, well, of, of public health. Dr. Kimple. Thank you, Chairman May. Um, again, Kelly Kimple with the Department of Health and Human Services. And um, sharing our recommendations from the Department of Health and Human Services that with information about vaccine doses and booster scheduling still evolving, we do believe it is premature for the commission to codify the immunization schedule through rulemaking. However, um, the commission could consider adding a COVID-19 vaccine to the childhood immunization schedule at a later date. Are there any questions for Dr. Kimple? Thank you. I hear none. Um, as I've mentioned earlier, uh, on at least two occasions, I'm going to mention this again. Members of the public do have a right to be heard, and I've asked that they make any comments they have through the Q&A box, you know, in, in this um, mechanism that we have right now. And I'm also going to ask that we not, not end the meeting. I hope that everybody stays on and just mutes themselves. But what I'd like us to do to, to is to take a 20-minute break so people can review any of the comments that came from the public. They are there in the Q&A box. Um, I know that many of us, probably all of us, have received a great number of emails uh, with feelings from a number of people. So what I'm going to ask is it is 10.10 right now. I'm going to ask that we take a pause and return to the meeting at 10.30. And if we need more time, we'll we'll talk about it then and see if we need to you know, set aside more time. But I'd ask that you all review the comments and return to the meeting at 1030. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. May. And I would just um, point commission members to the Q&A box, which should be in the bottom right hand corner of your WebEx screen. Um, and you can expand that box by clicking the little arrow next to Q&A to see the uh, comments that members of the public who are in attendance have, have written there. Thank you. Hey, this evening, I forgot to mute up here. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, Dr. Rika Bean. Present. Mr. Sweet. Dr. West. Present. Dr. Regan. Here. Dr. Gordon. Here. Dr. Shock. Here. Dr. Ryan. Here. Dr. Patel. Present. Mr. Hayden. Here. And Mr. Sweet. 
I'm here. Okay, great. Thank you, everyone. Um, this Ron May again. Um, I, I know that there's been a lot of controversy about these vaccines. Certainly, we've all received a lot of emails, a lot of other communication. There's been a lot of public information about vaccines. It's confusing. And we've heard from our, you know, folks in public health. We've also heard from our attorneys. And I'm going to make a suggestion that we deny this petition. I think Dr. Uh, excuse me, Professor Anderson um, gave us a very good explanation of why um, the petition was circulated and what they hoped for. Um, I don't believe that we have the authority to require just of universities based on what um, our local health department, actually not our local health department, but our, our own health department representatives, including Drs. Tilson, Kimple, and Mr. Benton have suggested I think it would be wise for us as a group to deny this petition at this time. Um, certainly, we're going to have more discussion about that, but I'd ask for a motion uh, from one of the uh, commissioners. Um, I motion to deny. This is Michael Rigabeni. I, I make a motion to deny the petition. Thank you, sir. Second. To that motion. Second, Mr. Ritesh. Thank you. Um, and I, I will ask, as as you recall, um, Mr. Barkley suggested that if we do make a motion to deny that we allow the um, attorneys and, and the uh, department to help prepare that written proposal and also for the commission to potentially give me the authority to approve that once it's done, consistent with what our discussions have been what has been recommended to us and what we are aware of. Um, so if you're comfortable, would you be willing to amend that motion to include that? I'm comfortable with that, so I, I second that. Um, do we have a second to that? It's Gene Metton, I'll second that. Okay. Um, but Ron, I have a question for you. Yes. Um, we were supposed to, if we did that, this petition have some specific reasons why we did that petition. Yes. And I, I've been doing some work in the in the twenty minute break about some thoughts about that. And uh, is it as board members are we going to get an opportunity to have input on that or not? Well, if you want to, like I said, I mean, if if you want me to. You know, review whatever the department puts together for us uh, with the input from council um, and have the final say on that. I can do that. Or if you want us to circulate that to all of you before it goes out, that would be great too. I, mean, I think that's the prerogative of the of the commission. Well, I, I guess not to belabor the point, but just to, to make a point. You made a recommendation that we not approve this petition. And I'm fully in favor of that all the way 100 percent but uh my basis for that would be maybe different than yours but i would like to have the opportunity now to tell you what i think about that sure and and, and that's why we're here right now to, to you know comment we're open to discussion i'm not trying to be talking about just you know i think that um hold on a minute i just got some kind of spam stuff i can't believe it can you hear me Yes, that's all, Captain. 
I think that based on the fact there's a especially high incidence of side effects that you're an adolescent, particularly those myocarditis, those type things, that we would really be making a not wise choice to acquire the least affected population of this country, which would be students or adolescents and children, to have the most stringent requirement. Where you know, I think we should recommend. I'm a I'm a strong boxer myself. I think we should recommend vaccinations to all people that they apply to. But I just think the last one we're in a position right now to require is the ones who seem to be least affected, which is the young people. And there are no long-term studies, and in, 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 in especially no long-term studies in young people about the, the, the effect of this vaccine. And I just think that needs to be added to that. Any other comments, questions, concerns? Yes, um, this is Michael Riccobeni. I'd like to make a statement as well. Um, I'd like to start off by saying that I'm a 52-year-old with hypertension, high cholesterol, and I'm a frontline healthcare worker, and I've chosen to be vaccinated and boosted, and as well as I believe I've acquired natural immunity. I'm a proponent of people in high-risk categories being vaccinated. However, I do not believe in people's, I do strongly believe in people's personal freedoms. I have chosen not to vaccinate my children, I think every parent and adult should have the right to choose whether or not they receive the COVID vaccine. I do not think it's in the best interest of the public to take away that right. Thank you. Ron, this is Doug Sheets. Uh, as the second longest serving NCMS appointee behind you, uh, I contacted uh, the Medical Society and their feeling of the Board of Directors was they could not currently support any COVID vaccine mandate for minors that the best way for that public health to move forward would be to encourage conversations between the physicians, patients, uh, regarding what's best for the individual children. And secondly, uh, there've been a lot of comments questioning the makeup of the board. Uh, if people wanna read the rest of our stuff, we're dealing with lead poise, lead contamination in water, water infiltrators, rulemaking on hot tubs. We cover the whole spectrum of public health, not just vaccine mandates. And I agree that uh, the system is evolving too quickly for us to mandate anything for uh, minors at this time. Thank you. Any other comments? Any other concerns or questions? Dr. Sheets, I think that, that the, the memo that came from uh, Mr. Benton, Dr. Stilson, and Kimball, I think it's very brief, but I think that's in essence what it's saying. There is um, a great deal, of, these are my words, not theirs, a great deal of uncertainty as to the immunization schedules, um, not necessarily which immunizations we should choose or not use, um, you know, what boosters may or may not be needed. There, there's just a lot that's unknown right now. and. Uh, I think that is the reason for the recommendation, but of course, I don't want to put words in their mouth. Um, but we, as a commission, have the right to write that letter the way we feel it would be appropriate. Um, you know, along with the, the help of, obviously, the department and our attorneys. So, Carl, are you able to read the motion back? Ron? Yes, sir. That's your sweet. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to comment. I, I think we need 
staff needs to move forward with investigation and consultation and so forth for requiring COVID vaccines for entrance in public schools, along with all the other things we require immunizations for. But I don't think it's appropriate to single out 17-year-olds and they're the only ones that are going to be required. I, I think that requirement needs to be addressed for school-age children in general. Sir, and I think Professor Anderson explained why their petition called for that group, just because of the way the statutes are written. Any other? Dr. May, if I may? Yes. This, this is Ritesh Patel, and I think, you know, as as the rest of the commissioners that have spoken, I feel like, uh, and as public health officials have said, I think it is definitely too early for us to think about mandates, but I think public health in general, there's definitely a lot of comments about obviously informed consent and consent and parental consent. Uh, but I think, you know, some of those rules don't apply for our other immunizations, you know, that obviously have been around for a lot longer than the COVID vaccine has. So I think the public definitely needs uh, to understand the role that public health officials and especially, um, you know, our commission has to make sure that we listen to all uh, you know, all of the different opinions out there, but also ultimately to protect our public overall. And obviously this is not the right time, but that doesn't mean we need to, that like Dr. Kimple said that, you know, something like this may not come back later on for us to make sure that we, within our rights to make sure that we protect the rest of the public. Although there are obviously, you know, uh, risks for these shots or risks for a lot of other shots. And I think uh, as public health officials, we, we do need to make sure we look at all of that evidence uh, in moving forward. And I think the decision that we make today is the right one, not necessarily uh, that, you know, that can come back to us uh, later on or when we have more, you know, stability in the, in, in the vaccines that are available and, and what happens to this uh, pandemic or endemic at the point. Thank you. Any other comments, concerns, questions from commissions, commissioners? Carla, are you able to read back the motion? Um, I'm still putting it together. Hold one second, please. Okay. All right, we'll just give it a minute. Um, and while Carla is doing that, I, I want to make clear that I am a strong proponent for the vaccines. I do believe that they save lives, and I think they prevent very, very serious illness in a great number of people. As, as I suggested, I don't think this is the right time to address this for school-aged children and whether there will be a better time it's yet to be seen commissioner gordon were you trying to speak we're not hearing you no Okay, all right, that's all right. Dr. May? Yes, ma'am. Hey, this is Carla. Um, Virginia Niehaus is going to read back the motion. Okay, thank and you. And then I'll do the roll call. Okay, thank you. Virginia, do you have yeah. it? Yeah, Dr. Thank May, I, I believe the motion that was made was to uh, deny the rulemaking petition as presented to the commission and direct commission counsel and staff 
to draft a, a letter to petitioners with the reasons discussed today and grant you, Dr. May, authority to review and sign that letter on behalf of the commission. Um, does anybody recall it differently? Would the members of the commission like to see the draft before it is signed? I think it'd be helpful for the commission members to see Doug Sheets. Okay, and we can do that. We can circulate that, Carla, when 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 we have it finalized or close to finalized. Excuse me, in final draft form, and um, just have people be aware of what it says. Okay, are we ready to vote? So the, the motion is to deny. So by agreeing, that means you're agreeing to deny the petition. So Carla, please do a roll call. Dr. May, I just want to jump in to confirm. I believe I have Dr. Riccadini making that motion and Dr. Minton seconding that that amended a motion. That's my recollection. Is that accurate? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, Carla, let's take the vote. Okay, Dr. J. Mr. Minton. I vote yes to deny. Dr. Sheets. I vote to deny. Dr. Riccabini. I vote to deny. Mr. Sweet. Aye. Dr. West. Yes to the no. Dr. Riggins. Yes. Dr. Gordon. Yes. Dr. Shock. Yes, I vote to deny. Dr. Ryan. Aye. Dr. Patel. Aye. And Mr. Hatem. Aye. Okay, Dr. May. Thank you very much. So the motion is carried and the motion is to deny the petition. Um, and then we once we have a, a final draft form, we can circulate that to all the commission members so they can review it. Okay, thank you all for your time and your effort. And now we have several other items on the agenda and, and some of those may, uh, people that, excuse me, um, comments from the